0: Hey guys, are you having a great week? I'm really excited for this two-part series with Susie Brantley. So this is part one. Susie Brantley was a single mom by choice, and she is going to take us on a journey all about going through the fertility process as a single woman. It's fascinating. So in part one, we really talk about that fertility journey, and in part two, we get into her birth story. So let's get to it. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Stork Exchange. I am so thankful for Sindel and Ben for sponsoring this episode. And if you haven't heard their birth story, rewind, go back and listen to it. My kindergartners came home and they were literally talking to me this week about recycling, upcycling, the environment. And we had a real conversation about baby carriers when we went to Target to pick up a birthday present for one of their friends that was turning six. And I explained to them, look at all of this packaging look at the plastic, look at all of the materials that were used to make these baby carriers. And then we walked through all of the lines at Target and we looked at all of these different baby items and we had a real conversation. And guys, I'm talking about with a five-year-old and a six-year-old. It's super simple, right? We wanna reduce our impact on not only our wallets, but the earth. We want to reduce our footprint on the earth. We are pregnant, we are adopting, we are becoming parents through fostering and we need baby items. And so, what do we do? We go to baby list and we go to Amazon and we go and register for all these brand new items with a lot of packaging. And that is exactly what Sindel and Ben wanted to change. They realized that so many parents just like you and my dual clients were really frustrated With the hassle of trying to buy used online, like think Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you're driving to some shady area, you have no idea if it's in good condition or not. So that's where they created Stork Exchange. Stork Exchange is truly an online marketplace for baby goods like baby carriers. So you're going to spend less you're going to use less. And let's face it, you only need these things for a couple of months anyway. So i love it if you checked out their company. It's at storkexchange.co or on Instagram at stork underscore exchange. And tell them what you think. If you are ready to buy, use code birthstory for 20% off. All right. Thanks, Sindel and Ben, for sponsoring this episode. And let's get to it. Susie Brantley, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Thank you. This is a year overdue, by the way. I think we were going to do this when you were pregnant, right?
1: I kept asking to do it, but then this pandemic happened and life.
0: Yeah. So here we are. So everybody, Susie is one of my doula clients from 2019 Mm -hmm. and her baby Sage is just about a year old. Yay, we're recording this in October during the pandemic, and today we are talking about being a single mom, choosing to be a single mom, sperm donation, insemination, all the things. Susie's got all the answers, and so I'm just really excited to hear all the parts of this story. So
1: I love sharing my story, so ask me
0: questions. All right, let's dig in. I'm going to ask you some things I don't know about your past. So how old were you when you got pregnant with Sage?
1: I had just turned 40. I actually had my first consultation with the fertility doctor the day before my 40th birthday.
0: Now let's back up a little bit. Where were you at in your personal life?
1: I've been single for over 10 years now. I am better single. I am independent and I love my life. And I don't feel like I am missing anything by not being coupled up. I have all the love that I need from my friends and my family. And so I really, you know, didn't see for myself pairing up with somebody and having a child, but I knew that I wanted to have a child. And I figured, you know, I needed to go ahead and try because the clock was ticking. If I didn't do it now, I didn't want to wonder years later, what if?
0: Okay. You know? So why 40? Why then?
1: Well, I had my gallbladder removed in January of 2018. And I handled benefits for a living. And I knew that since I had met my deductible in January... I wanted to maximize my benefits as much as possible. And so I thought, well, what the heck? Let's have a baby.
0: I love you so much. <laughs> so you were like, it, basically it was going to be free because you had met your like out-of-pocket <laughs> maximum? I still
1: had co-insurance and everything, but yeah, I figured this was the right time. So if I hadn't had my gallbladder removed, I probably wouldn't have even tried this. I probably would have just kept on trucking along at life the way it was.
0: Had you thought about doing an egg retrieval and freezing any of your eggs?
1: No, but when I started thinking about the whole fertility process, I did learn a lot about options. I thought about adoption, I thought about freezing my eggs, I thought about artificial insemination, but honestly, freezing my eggs wouldn't make sense because that would assume that I'm saving them for someone. And like I said, I really just don't see there being a someone in my future.
0: I was thinking, no. or for a later pregnancy, like a pregnancy yeah. at 43 years old, preserving a, your eggs at 40. No? Okay. Okay. Was all of this going on like just in Susie's mind or Mm. did you have friends that you were sharing like that you were thinking about?
1: Nope, I did not tell anyone. I did not tell my mother. I did not tell my best friends. This was all me.
0: Okay, what I think I know about you is you seem to me to be like a very outspoken, outgoing person. Mm -hmm. Was it hard for you to keep this? alone inside?
1: No. I think that every woman deserves to have a secret.
0: I like the way you <laughs> said that. <laughs> so this was just something that was really special to you and you kept it close.
1: It was. Now I will say um this is a funny story. About a week or two before my first consultation with the doctor, I was going on a road trip with a friend and we were driving to DC and we were halfway there and my cell phone rang and it was attached to the bluetooth on the car speakers and it was the clinic.
0: Oh no. And
1: they were calling to confirm my appointment. So I was like, "Okay, yep, sure, the Women's Institute, I've got an appointment, I'll be there, great." And I'm thinking I'm about to hang up and they said, "Oh, and by the way, we've contacted your insurance company and fertility testing is covered, but in vitro fertilization is not we can talk about those details more at your appointment and i was like okay thanks bye <laughs> and i turned and i looked at my friend and she was like do you have something to tell me
0: so did you tell her
1: oh, i mean how could i not yeah <laughs> and she was she was thrilled and um she was just like i can come to your appointments with you and i'm like whoa whoa whoa
0: <laughs>
1: we're not there yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> right there's still a long process. Okay. So once you identified that, like you had these benefits for IUI, right. And did you know that that was kind of the clearest path that you wanted to take? You mean to do IUI? Yeah. To like find this a is... sperm donor and to do IUI versus like adopting an embryo or something like that.
1: Well, so I did a lot of research. So first of all, I made the appointment for the consultation, but they did not have availability to see me for a couple of months. And that was a surprise. I thought, oh, you make an appointment, you see them three weeks later. So while I waited for those couple of months, I did a lot of research. So I I got a couple of books. One of them that was really helpful is called Knock Yourself Up. No man, no problem.
0: Knock yourself up. This is awesome. Did someone recommend it or did you find it yourself?
1: Amazon.
0: Who's the author?
1: Louise Sloan. And it is a tell-all guide to becoming a single mom. And she decided when she was like 38 that she needed to start taking her fertility a little more seriously. And so she wrote like a hilarious sort of anecdote about it. And she interviewed lots of other single women who did the same. And so they addressed the questions like, should I adopt or should I conceive? Should I use an anonymous donor? Should I use a known donor? Can I afford this? What do I tell my parents? What do I tell the child? I mean, it addresses everything. And it was actually a really fun book to read. And I recommend it, even if you don't plan on knocking yourself up.
0: I'm going to buy it right now, as soon as we get off.
1: Yeah. I learned a lot, especially about the process. Like some people do the insemination at home. They don't do it at the doctor's office. They have the sperm shipped to their home and they thaw it out and they turkey-based your method.
0: Oh yeah. I've had two clients, two, that have done it themselves. And I'm like, I'm impressed. And then I'm also terrified because I'm like, sperm lasts that long?
1: It's expensive. I don't (laughs) think I'd want to do it at home. I want the professionals
0: to to make sure it's going where it's supposed to go, right? At the right time. Okay. So you're reading this book and you're like getting all these answers. And so did the book help define your path? It educated me so
1: that I had enough of a background to be able to have a conversation about it with the doctor when I had my consultation. Okay. So I went to the doctor. The day before my 40th birthday. And he was great. He was thrilled for me. And he was like, let's do this, you know? So the first step was to do some lab work, have my hormone levels tested, and get a transvaginal ultrasound so that they could take a look at the equipment. They wanted to look at, you know, the ovaries and the shape of the uterus and the thickness of the lining and, and all of those details. I like it.
0: All the science,
1: all the science. So you do that within three days of your period starting. I had been on birth control, even though I've been single for the last 10 years, I
0: slept around,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I took birth control to (laughs) control my periods, basically. So I was so excited after my consultation that I was like, when do we do this? And he said, as soon as you start your period. So I was like, okay, so I quit taking my birth control because that'll make you have your period. And I went in and they did all the tests. And then about a week or two later, they brought me back to review the results. And the doctor said, and I quote, your ovarian reserve is where we would expect it to be for a woman your age.
0: No, (laughs) no, they did not. I'm old.
1: I I was like, I'm 39. (laughs) But unfortunately, your hormone levels and your ovarian reserve starts decreasing, you know, right at about 35. And it keeps going down. His recommendation was that I go straight to IVF. I know IVF is really
0: expensive. Your insurance wasn't covering it.
1: Right. He said I had about a 40% chance of success if I did IVF. And he explained the whole process and what was involved. And he said, I asked, can we try IUI? And he said, well, you have about a 6 to 10% chance of it working with IUI.
0: I did not know it was that low.
1: It increases with with each attempt. Okay. So the more you do it, I guess you kind of build on the percentage. Well, you know, I think I read somewhere that your chances each time you try naturally is about 20% Mm -hmm. if everything is timed just right. And Mm -hmm. so they told me, I think I read that if you do IUI three to four times, then your chances build up to about 20%. So he told me the things that I needed to be thinking about were how many vials of sperm to order. If you do IVF, that takes two vials. If you do IUI, that takes one vial. And so as you consider what you want to do and you do your family planning, you want to think about things like, how many kids do I want to have? Do I want my children to have the same donor? If so, make sure you order enough vials. They charge you shipping every time. You ship vials, so you don't want to have to ship it four or five times. If you order just enough vials now and decide to have another child later, will that donor be available? So you want to buy extras. And then, of course, how expensive is a vial?
0: I'm so curious.
1: And insurance does not pay for sperm.
0: Oh, it doesn't? No. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much? What's the like going rate for sperm these days? A vial of sperm?
1: The prices varied. It depends. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But the guys that I was looking at, the range was between $785 and about $1,000. My donor, his price has increased. He's over $1,000 now.
0: Wow. Okay. That's a lot.
1: I asked, I said, you know, how about this? Why don't we try IUI first? I'll order four vials. We'll do it twice. And if it doesn't work, we'll move on to IVF and we'll use the two remaining vials. And he said, I'm on board with that plan.
0: Great plan. Now, if you get pregnant right away, can you return frozen sperm?
1: No, So if you order four vials from the cryobank and you have them store the vials, they will buy them back. But if you have had them shipped to the fertility clinic, you cannot send them back to the cryobank and sell them back. I have heard, though, that um, you can find another mother that wants to conceive. They can buy your sperm, I think,
0: maybe we can research that
1: I may have signed a contract saying that I wouldn't do that I don't remember
0: so you and your doctor concluded that four vials was going to be a great plan and that was going to cost you four thousand dollars roughly
1: just just about yeah so I had asked him I said what's the next step and he said pick out a donor he walked me down to the andrology department and they gave me a packet of information to read that had all the instructions on how to have it shipped and when they have to have it by. And I took it and I went back to work and I started reading it. And it said, you need to know your CMV status. What is it? So I called the andrology department and I said, what the heck is my CMV status and what is this? And they said, oh, that is cytomegalovirus. And essentially, it's like a cold. It's just a virus. They said 50 to 80% of Americans have it by the time they're an adult. And you would never know if you have the antibodies for it unless you had blood work done and tested. Well, they forgot to test mine. I had to go back the next day. Now, if you are positive for CMV, then you can pick a donor that's either positive or negative. But if you're negative for CMV, you can only pick a donor that is negative. And that is because if you contract CMV when you're pregnant, it could cause complications.
0: Things you don't know when you're just deciding to get pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, with this partner. Wow.
1: Well, and the thing is, if you are doing it the good old fashioned way and your partner's positive, well, you've already been exposed to it because I
0: assume. Oh, that makes sense. Been doing it for a while. Well, yeah. maybe, but yeah. <laughs>
1: wow. Okay.
0: So good to know. Okay. So what was your status?
1: Well, so here's the thing. That was on a Thursday. I went back to the lab on Friday to get tested and I wasn't going to find out my status until Monday. So I had all weekend to whittle down the sperm donor options and decide who was my favorite.
0: Two questions. What does andrology mean? I don't know. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Two, <laughs> was there a website? I mean, what does this mean? Like you narrowed it down. Like where, what are you looking at?
1: Oh, you can get anything on the internet.
0: Can you give me some of these websites? I mean, so it's like, does the packet they give you just like point to different websites with cryobanks?
1: Um, Yeah, so the two biggest cryobanks and I think the most common that they work with are Fairfax Cryobank, which I believe is in Virginia and California Cryobank,
0: okay, which is
1: in California. And there are others as well. Fairfax and California Cryobank were also mentioned in my tell-all guide to becoming a single mom. So I was already familiar with them. I chose Fairfax because you can search the donor database without having an account.
0: Ooh, so so I I could do this like tonight?
1: Oh, it is so much fun.
0: (gasps) Can you send uh... the link? (laughs) Yes. It's for research, Susie. Research (laughs) for this podcast.
1: Yeah, so you can filter and narrow down by ethnicity, hair color, eye color, weight, bachelor's degree, hobbies, age. Most of the guys are young, though. I think they require young guys.
0: Do you get to know the age, though? That's an option?
1: You get an age range.
0: Okay. Uh
1: Uh-huh. I should pull up the profiles and read you mine.
0: Yeah, because I want to know, like, What was important to you? Like, did you care about a bachelor's degree or like, how did you arrive at the things that were important to you?
1: A bachelor's degree was important to me. I wanted smart babies. So my number one choice was actually a PhD student in physics who could do a Rubik's cube in less than a minute.
0: Cool. How much was that sperm?
1: I don't remember, but he was CMV positive. So I made two piles of donors. We had CMV positive and CMV negative. So he was the clear front runner for me. I also wanted a donor that had similar physical characteristics of me. And I'm blonde, blue eyed. That was important to me because I am going to have to answer questions when Sage gets older. And I don't want her to be like, why do I have red hair, mommy? I just figured it would be easier
0: Yeah, she looks like me. So were you looking, sorting by blonde hair, blue eyes?
1: Well, blue eyes wasn't that important, but blonde hair and bachelor's degree.
0: Okay. This is getting good. (laughs) It's like dating in reverse or something. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I have never done online dating before, but this is exactly how I imagine it would be. Picking the donor was the most difficult decision of this entire process. Like not deciding to have a baby was literally picking the donor. And I had to get it out of my head that I wasn't marrying the guy. Although it's still a really big decision.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that is similar to like traditional. Like you can think that this is the person that you want to have a baby with. But when it comes down to it, sometimes you're still like, should I be doing this or should I swallow my birth control pill again? <laughs>
1: you know? but I, see, mean... I have the benefit of not having to deal with the aftermath of a relationship.
0: You this know? is true. I,
1: I don't have to deal with sharing this baby with anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. We bond now. I am also a single woman in my 40s and will never, well, I mean, I don't know if I should say never, but like, I have no intention on ever dating or getting married again for all of the same reasons you mentioned. I love myself. I love my friends. I love my family. I love my life. No need to do that.
1: (laughs) My, My life is full. So why complicate it?
0: I know. So you're going through and it's like blonde hair, blue eyes. Do you have the profile pulled up? could you share? Oh,
1: of the guy I ended up going with?
0: Yeah. Are you allowed to share that?
1: Well, hold on, hold on. Let's back up though. Okay. So choice number one.
0: Oh yeah. The PhD.
1: Mr. Mr. Rubik's cube.
0: Oh, let's hear it.
1: Well, I'm not going to read that one.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I had to wait all weekend to get the results of my CMV test. That Monday I was on the road for work. I was in our Raleigh office and I was set up in a conference room and I closed the door and I called the andrology department and this lady answered the phone and said, this is Mary. And I said, hi, this is Susie Brantley. I'm calling for the results of my CMV status. I'm sorry, you've reached the law office of McGengis Gould, somebody or other. And I was like, oh, crap. That's our competitor firm. I what? dialed the wrong number. Their digits are one
0: off. Oh my God. Angie told him your name.
1: Yes. Thank God I didn't call and say, I'm calling to order sperm.
0: Wow. So, did you know Mary from this competitor firm? No. Oh, thank no, God. Okay. I'm
1: sure that like the caller ID showed up and she saw that it was, you know, a competing firm.
0: She was probably like, so. they were pranking us. That's weird. <laughs>
1: She probably didn't know what a CMV status was. That's true. I call the andrology department and it turns out I am negative.
0: Oh, so, want want. So PhD. One
1: time in my life, I wanted to be positive for a virus. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to throw Mr. Rubik's Cube out and go back. You couldn't just
0: pile. go get some CMV real quick <laughs> out in the world? I'd be like, where do I get it? Where do I contract it? <laughs> oh, so, so. But you had backup. You had number two.
1: Well, I had a stack of uh, guys that I had put into the negative CMV pile. And honestly, like, I could not decide between them. It was just eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I, I was comparing them side by side, trying to figure out what the differences are. The cryobank will market these men in very favorable terms like oh you know he's very carefree and empathetic and his eyes crinkle when he smiles and he's been told he looks like and each guy had a different celebrity look alike. So we had Ryan Gosling, mm. James Vanderbeek, and Anderson Cooper.
0: Ooh all very interesting choices. <laughs> I know what I would so, have chosen who would you have picked? Anderson Cooper.
1: So I'm comparing all the guys and I just cannot decide. I realize that there's a price difference between them. And the least expensive guy was $775 and the most expensive guy was $895. And I thought, God, what is the difference? Why? And I realized the guy that was $895 was open identity donor. And that means that when my daughter turns 18, she can call the cryobank and she can ask for his contact information. And he has agreed to be contacted by any offspring conceived with his sample.
0: Wow. That could be attractive or not attractive, depending on what you want.
1: I think that that should be up to my child to decide. That shouldn't be my decision. So I'm going to be open with her about where she came from and let her.
0: Let her make the decision. Good for you.
1: So the winner was Anderson Cooper.
0: Yay. Oh my gosh. I love it. So this tells me that you didn't like, if they're telling you what they look, they might look like. So you didn't get to see their face or their body? I see
1: a childhood photo of him and it was a baby picture but there are no adult photos.
0: Not even like eyes or mouth or no body, no feature?
1: So if you paid extra for like a membership or an account, then you could get extra access and you could see a silhouette of his like profile. Okay. So I guess you could see how big his chin is or his nose or whatever, but you don't really get to see details. It's just a silhouette.
0: I think I would be like, I have to see the eyes. Or Honestly,
1: something. I felt like the more information I had, the more difficult the decision would be, or the more information I had, the more things I would find wrong with the donor. And I would never be able to find somebody that I liked.
0: Yeah. Now your friend so knew.
1: It just had to be a leap of faith.
0: It did. But you said you were really struggling and your friend knew. Did you let her come help nope. you? No. Okay. So this was like, you were doing this one on your own. I
1: did not want anyone's opinions. Okay. Every I wanted to do everything on my own.
0: Okay. Good for you. That's so hard. I think I would have been crying with a bottle of wine and been like, everybody come help me decide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Some um, people
1: have done that. A lot of people do. They have like a donor pick party and they'll invite all their girlfriends over and
0: yeah. I'm, yeah. I would love to know what his profile says because I do know what they say on like Bumble and Tinder and Hinge and Match.com and all of these. Hold ways.
1: on. All right, so ready? This is a description of donor 4788. Donor 4788 is an ID option donor. He is the stereotypical boy next door. He's charming, easygoing, and kind, Carefree, he often skateboards to his appointments when he's not building his real estate business. A good listener, he considers himself empathetic with others. He is humble and finds joy in the beauty of nature. He has casual good looks with a tall basketball player's build. His wavy blonde hair is cropped short and his denim blue eyes crinkle at the corners when he smiles. He has chiseled facial features that are accentuated by his boyish grin. He looks like Anderson Cooper.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm in. Blind date it is. Mid-roll. Just wanted to take a quick little break and remind you of a couple things. One, if you are looking for reducing that impact on the environment, saving money, For these baby items that you're only going to use a few times, make sure to use code BIRTHSTORY when you visit storkexchange.co so that Sindel and Ben will give you 20% off of your order. You can also follow them on Instagram at stork underscore exchange. And while we're talking about Instagram, don't forget to push pause and please follow me on Instagram at Birth Story Podcast. All right, let's get back to this incredible birth story. So your age range, what is it, like 18 to 22 or something like that? I don't okay. know. I was assuming like when they say all young, like that they don't accept sperm over 28 or something like that. Yeah, probably. We don't know. Okay, so you're like... it's, it's in the, It's in the
1: profile. I just don't remember and it's not in front of me.
0: Okay, like so in what would be the equivalent of like swiping right uh, you know, dating world? Like how, how do you make the match? Like, how do you match? I just
1: called the bank up and told him I needed four vials of Anderson Cooper.
0: And for $4,000, that's as easy <laughs> as it gets, I guess.
1: I told you, you can get anything on the internet.
0: Oh my gosh. Amazing. So how long do you have to wait for Anderson Cooper sperm to arrive?
1: Oh, it's like two days. I ordered it right then. And then when I hung up the phone, I was shaking. I had no idea that I was going to have such a physical, emotional reaction. It was like, holy crap, I'm doing this. I just spent $4,000. I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And then I had to walk into a meeting that was the reason I was traveling. I was doing open enrollment meetings for for my firm, and so I had to go make a presentation to forty people. And I was like, "Oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my head right."
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, "I need a beta blocker and not yeah. vomit real quick." <laughs> Ooh, okay. So, and so this is still a secret. Like, so you still, mm-hmm. oh, this is stressing me out. So you've made this humongous decision. You've ordered it. You've paid for it. No one knows. Can we dive into the medical piece now? Yes. Like, because now I'm, we've got this sperm and we've made this big decision, but like now getting you pregnant, can you walk us through like, did you have to take hormones? Did like, what is the timing like? How do they know you're about to ovulate?
1: Right. So when you start your period, you call the fertility clinic and they schedule an appointment for you to come in on the third day of your cycle to do more hormone testing. I think I was so excited. I caused myself to get my period because the very next day after I ordered the sperm, which had only been 19 days since my last cycle, I got my period.
0: Wow. Willed it to happen. (laughs) Your body was like, we're not messing around. We're ready to go.
1: And I was so nervous that the sperm wouldn't be there in time because they have to have it. And so I called and, and of course I was on the road too. So the next day I was in Wilmington and I was like, oh crap, I've got to get back to Charlotte so I can do this. So I got back into town on the third day of my cycle, you go in for blood work. And then that afternoon they, um, they call, they're checking your estradiol. And if the levels look good, they will call and say, okay, start the Clomid. And Clomid is an oral medication that you take that stimulates your follicles. And the follicles are where the eggs grow.
0: Clomid terrifies me because all I hear is multiples. (laughs) Like we stimulate the follicles and then we have (laughs) lots of eggs.
1: That was definitely a fear. And I asked the doctor about it. And he said, in all my years... I've only had two triplets, like two cases. And I was like, that's not what I wanted to know. But right. I'm not even going to ask about twins. I'm just, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and pray that it doesn't happen. I'm a single mom. I can't have twins.
0: Well, you could have, but you'd have a very different life. So <laughs> so you take the clomed? How just does it make days, you feel?
1: I had absolutely no side effects
0: whatsoever. Okay.
1: Yeah. I have heard some people, it makes them crazy. It makes their hormones nuts, but I had no side effects. It was fine. My body tends to react the way it's supposed to. Okay. To, you know, whether it's anesthesia or prescription drugs
0: or... You're like in the 97%, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So
1: then on the... day of your cycle, you go back to the fertility clinic and they do another transvaginal ultrasound and they look at the follicles that have been growing on your ovaries and they measure them. If they are, I think between like 15 and 18 millimeters, then you are ready to give yourself a trigger shot to make yourself ovulate. Okay. And so that's how they time the insemination.
0: What is a trigger shot?
1: It's a hormone that you inject yourself and it causes you to ovulate within like 36 hours. So 24 to 36 hours later, the egg will be released and you time the insemination. So you can either do it so that the sperm are already in there when you ovulate or you can go ahead and ovulate and then inseminate
0: okay this so is all stay alive
1: for a couple days and like maybe two or three days inside
0: this is all very interesting to me because i'm very confused now <laughs> i conceived jagger my second 6 days after my period started So I had a short period. It was like two days long. This is normal for me. And I was doing ovulation tests and I was like crazy about it. So I was like, just PEPB and four days. So six days post period starting, four days after period ended, my ovulation test was positive and I got pregnant. And so I'm hearing this story. I'm like, day 10, I'm like, what a missed the window.
1: Well, With they would me. have figured that they would have figured that out though. They would have they would have done all the tests and, and realized that they needed to, you know, do it
0: do earlier or something. Something.
1: something. Or later than that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So this isn't necessarily one size fits all, but since you said my body tends to react the way it's supposed to, then you ovulated midway through your cycle. Right. Like most women do. Okay, that makes more sense to me that
1: so I went in for the ultrasound. And I had three follicles that were ripe and ready. And the nurse said, go down to the pharmacy and get the Ovidril shot and give it to yourself this afternoon. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? So I had her show me how to do it the first time. And I went back the next morning for the insemination.
0: That is so fast. So you were on day 11
1: so fast. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: 11 days after your period started, you were going in for an insemination. Right. All right. Is this just a regular exam room? I mean, do yeah, they turn so... down the lights for you and turn the music <laughs> on? I mean...
1: <laughs> Well, the first thing that surprised me is that the doctor is not the one that does it.
0: Oh, that is also surprising to me. Is it Mm -hmm. the registered nurse?
1: It was a nurse, yes. Mm -hmm. So you go in and you have to sign a million consent forms and you undress from the waist down and the nurse goes down to the andrology department to pick up your thawed out sample. And I asked, how do they thaw it out? And she said, I don't know. I'll ask when I'm down there. Good question. When she returned... She brought this test tube and she showed me the liquid and it was the tiniest amount. It was like the size of your pinky fingernail.
0: Of sperm?
1: That's it. So when they receive the sperm and they thaw it out, mine got a warm water bath. Okay. (laughs) They put it in a centrifuge and they wash it. It's called washing the sperm. So they spin it out. And they separate the sperm from the seminal fluid. Okay. And then they mix the sperm with a media. And that was this clear pink liquid that was in the test tube. And apparently it helps the sperm swim. So she showed me the sample and then she put it into the syringe. And I said, don't drop it. (laughs) She was like, I have never dropped it. Oh my God, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) The syringe has a catheter and they will insert the catheter into the vagina, past the uterus and into... Past the cervix. Past the cervix and into the uterus because they want to get it past the cervical mucus because that can slow the sperm down. Now, it's kind of like a pap smear. They put a speculum in And then they prepare everything to shoot it in. Well, she put the speculum. This is so embarrassing. She put the speculum in and she turned around to get the syringe and it shot out onto the floor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Were you doing a Kegel? (laughs) (laughs) new speculum, please. Yep, take two. (laughs) She got another one. (laughs) I can imagine that that probably, I mean, it's like, you know, muscle contractions. So we were
1: having a good time. We were having a good laugh about it.
0: Um, This is amazing.
1: Another thing that I did not expect is how painful it is. You know, this is supposed to be a magical moment, you know, when you conceive your child and it hurt. I described it to a friend of mine and she said, Oh yeah, that's what it feels like when you get an IUD. Yeah.
0: I don't know what that feels like IUI, but I do know what an IUD feels like. And that is uncomfortable.
1: It's uncomfortable. So, you know, you cramp up, I guess, cause there's things in there that don't belong, but it only takes a second and literally 20 seconds and, and then you're done. And You lay there for 15 or 20 minutes. They turn the lights down. They turn spa music on and you just relax.
0: Do you put your feet up to the ceiling? (laughs) No. (laughs) I totally did that when I was trying to get pregnant. I laid on the bed for like 35 minutes with my feet to the ceiling.
1: So I was 100% convinced that it was going to work on the first try for me. And I spent the next two weeks, reading the first chapter of what to expect when you're expecting. And every single cramp or twinge I had, I thought, oh, that's it. That's the, that's the egg implanting into the wall. I'm growing a baby. And they tell you not to take a pregnancy test for 14 days because the Ovidril, the trigger shot that you gave yourself, is the pregnancy hormone, and it will give you a a false positive.
0: Oh, that sucks.
1: So I cheated, (laughs) and I went to the dollar
0: store. Did you know that the dollar store has pregnancy tests? I do know this. I'm cheap. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: A friend of mine is a physician, and he says those are the same ones they use in the emergency department.
0: I bet, yeah.
1: And of course, they probably charge like $200 to your insurance for them. (laughs) That's true. So I got like a dozen of those (laughs) and I started taking them on like day 11 and it was negative. And day 12, it was negative. Day 13, it was negative. And then on day 14, I got my period.
0: Oh.
1: So you start all over again. Day one of your period, you call the fertility clinic. You make an appointment to show up on day three to do the testing again.
0: Okay. How'd you feel?
1: Uh, I was bummed, but I wasn't devastated because, you know, science says it takes three to four tries, but I just knew that I was going to, I'm an overachiever. I was just like, I'm totally going to do it on the first try.
0: Yeah. But this was laid back guy sperm, not PhD sperm. Right. So now we had to meet yeah, him is, where he is, was at and he needed some time, you know, skateboarder. He needed to chill his way into pregnancy.
1: Oh, that was another thing that the nurse said. She looked at my sample under the microscope and she said they were all heading in the same direction.
0: I don't know what that means.
1: Well, she said she's looked at it before. There have been samples before and they just go in circles.
0: Oh, And the
1: little sperms are not going to make it if they're just doing U-turns. Yeah.
0: Okay. So this was very positive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's so right? he has a good sample and the the like concentration, the number of parts per million or whatever was really good too.
0: Yeah. I don't want to like skip too far ahead, but like did mm-hmm. you get pregnant on the second try? So,
1: round 2, same everything, went in and on the day of the ultrasound, they said I had two follicles that looked good. I went in, but in the back of my mind, I thought this is it. This is it. And then I'm moving on to IVF. So I did call the financial counselor to find out the pricing of IVF. And I didn't hear back from her until after I had done, you know, the second IUI. So while I was waiting the two weeks to find out if I was pregnant, I got an email from her and I had asked, you know, how much does it cost and what kind of financing options do you have available? And she replied back and let me know they need a $12,200 deposit before they start. And then I think there's like another $5,000 on top of that for other things like medications and if you want to do genetic testing on the embryos and there are storage fees and yeah, there's more.
0: So you're so, talking about like $20,000 a shot for IVF.
1: And there is no guarantee that it will even work.
0: Shame so on insurance on. for not paying for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I had that on my mind. I had to think about Whether or not I wanted to take out a loan, finance it, uh, borrow against my 401k. Oh, and by the way, the financial counselor lady said there is no financing available, which I found really odd because like I had laser eye surgery and they had care credit. Yeah. And even veterinary offices have things like care credit
0: So if I ever make millions of dollars, which I'm sure is not in my future, remind me to set up a fund for financing IVF.
1: Oh, and that was another option. I could go fund me. You know, I could, I could ask friends
0: to help pay for it. Well, I know you're not going to do that. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) so round two did not work and I decided I would take the next cycle off. So I got my period and I was like, I have a lot to think about here. You know, I have two vials left. Do do I go into debt? Do I start this next phase of my life in the hole? Or do I just go ahead and use the remaining two vials and be content knowing that I tried? And I will not have to wonder what if, because I know that I tried. That's what I decided to do. So at the end of January, we're in a new deductible plan year. On <laughs> the end of January, I decided I would go ahead and do IUI when my cycle started. So on the third day, I went in for the lab work and I started the Clomid. And on the 10th day, I went in for the ultrasound. And the tech, I could tell, was really happy while she was doing the ultrasound. And you can see the image while they're doing it, while they're measuring each of the follicles. And I saw her counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I had nine follicles. Three of them were were good. They were, you know, the good size. And the other ones were kind of on the smaller size. And so they gave the results and the nurse, she was really excited too. And she said, all right, I want you to give yourself the shot tomorrow evening. And she asked, do you want to come in the next morning or do you want to come in the next afternoon? It was a Saturday morning when I came in. So I went in and it was the same nurse that I had had the first time. And she was like, third time's a charm.
0: Don't drop the speculum when it comes shooting.
1: (laughs) Catch. (laughs) And everything felt different this time. It didn't hurt when she inserted the catheter. And I am telling you, like, I felt some sort of spark. I just felt different. And I decided this go around that I would put myself on bed rest for the next two weeks. So the prior times I had gone about, I had been exercising. I had been, you know, doing all my normal stuff. And I thought, I am I'm going to like not even have a single sip of alcohol. Um, I'm not going to have any caffeine. I'm going to just lay around and be lazy. And I'm not going to cheat and take a pregnancy test early because that, that jinxed me. So on day 13, I had one more day to wait I had plans to go out with a friend that night and I knew that there would be alcohol and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and take a pregnancy test. But I bought one of the expensive ones. I didn't do the dollar store pregnancy test. And there were two lines
0: and they showed up
1: immediately, like, like they just appeared like within seconds of peeing on the stick. And I was like, holy shit, I'm pregnant.
0: So had you felt anything like cramping or implantation, anything like that? Yes.
1: So I was very crampy for a couple of days after the insemination. That may have been me ovulating because there were nine follicles. (laughs) Yeah. I have read that you can't really feel implantation, but I've also read anecdotes from women that swear that they could.
0: I'm one of those. Yeah. I'm not anymore, but I was a runner, a long distance runner. And when I got pregnant with Max, my first, I mean, I knew instantly like the next morning I was like, I'm pregnant. I was like, this is, Justin's like, you're insane. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm pregnant. I knew I was pregnant. I go for a run and I had run almost every day of my entire life. And I could not get through that run. I had it was cramping and I had to pee. And I'm like, I'm just trying to run for like an hour. Like and I had to like keep stopping at restaurants along the run. And I came back and I was like, I am a hundred percent pregnant. Like that was the weirdest run I've ever been on in my entire life. So that's how I I could feel something was so different because I had done this thing for my whole life. So I'm one of those crazy people that's like, oh, I felt implantation. I felt conception. I felt the spark, all of it. Now on my second, I didn't feel anything, nothing. It was like, sorry, we're not connected. <laughs> but on my, first, I, on my first, I felt all of it. So you were feeling crampy, you know, for a few days and a couple of things. I mean, but what did you do? You, this is a secret. And now you're going out to dinner with alcohol with a friend.
1: Oh, I told, I told that friend. Oh, you did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot a really important detail. Yeah. When I was waiting in the waiting area at the clinic prior to the third insemination, I'm hanging out, looking around. People don't make eye contact in the waiting room. And I saw a stack of brochures for financing. And I was like, what the hell? This is what I was asking about. I asked about financing and here I am about to use my third vial and they had financing.
0: They did.
1: They did. And I was like, it's too late. I'm here. I'm about to use my third vial on IUI. But guess what? I didn't need the financing.
0: You didn't need the financing.
1: Everything happens the way that it's meant to.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Especially since you're like such a researcher too. The fact that you didn't like go home and like crazy research financing and validate that what they had said was incorrect. It happened the way it was all Um, meant to happen.
1: Maybe she was confused. Maybe she thought I meant like financing through them where I set up a payment plan through them. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't know.
1: It all worked out. I was knocked up.
0: Well, so we connected. The next day. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it was something...
1: The next day I went in for the HCG test. Oh, I know you were promoting your birth story podcast on Nextdoor.
0: Yes, you I was. You were
1: in a contest at WFAE and you said, Hey everybody, vote for my podcast. And so I thought, oh, I might need to learn some stuff. And so I listened to it. I binged a couple of episodes. And then I contacted you on Nextdoor and I said, hi, I just want to let you know, I've been binging birth story and I'm on my own fertility journey and I might be needing a doula in nine months, maybe.
0: That's right, because you didn't know you were pregnant yet. You (laughs) thought maybe you had done the insemination, but you didn't know if you were pregnant yet.
1: And then I had the HCG test and that afternoon I sent you another message and I said, I need a doula.
0: Yay. Okay. Still
1: have not told my mother anything. I had, I had told a couple of friends, but mom still doesn't know.
0: Okay. So one of my favorite parts of your story was getting this video from Susie. I mean, everybody, if she gives me permission, I'll post it on Instagram, but it was incredible. So I get this text message of this video. So just kind of walk everybody through like what you did to your poor mother for your announcement.
1: So as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I custom ordered a onesie. That said, I heart Bammy. And Bammy is what we call the grandmothers in my family. So my mom's grandmother was Bammy, and my grandmother was Bammy, and my mom will be Bammy. And I wrapped it in a gift bag, and I went over to her house. She was making dinner, and I gave her the gift bag, and I said, It's a present. And she was like, Oh, how sweet. And she opens it up and she pulls it out. And she thought it was for the dog. Yes, she did.
0: <laughs> she was so she, confused. She was she like, was "What like is this
1: armholes?" And she was like, "Who's gonna wear it?" And I said, "Your grandchild." And she goes, "Who's pregnant?" <laughs> yes. Like, come on, mom. <laughs> and she screamed, and she was like, "I'm gonna be a grandma!"
0: And then she's like, "How?" And we're like, "She oh. goes, are you sure?" <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: So after she calmed down, it was what was so interesting is she didn't ask me, who's the father? Her mind went straight to, did you get to pick the donor? Huh. And I was like, she knows me so well. Yeah. And so I showed her his profile and the information I knew. And yeah, she was pretty excited. I told her not to tell anybody. And I think she made it about a week. Okay. Before she told her sisters and
0: her father. <laughs> I forgot this part of the story, but was are your parents still they're still married?
1: They're still married. Yeah. My dad wasn't home. He
0: just time, wasn't home that day. Okay. Which is
1: a good thing because he would have ruined the video.
0: So we just learned almost everything there is to know about Susie and sperm donation and getting pregnant by choice when you're single. So I hope you'll stick around for episode 80. Just keep listening. Your podcast player will roll right into it and we'll get to her birth story in the next episode. Thank you, Sindel and Ben, for sponsoring this episode with Stork Exchange. Everyone don't forget to go to storkexchange.co and use code birthstory for 20% off. See you next week.